The first reading from the Old Testament this morning is from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. This is page 8 in your pew Bible. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The Word of God. The second reading today is from Genesis 37, 1 through 4. It's on page 31. Jacob lived in the land of his father's sojournings, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was pasturing the flock with his brothers. He was a boy with the sons of Bilhah and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons, because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. But our final reading comes from a very familiar passage in the book of Proverbs. If you'll turn there with me, page 528, if you're using the Maroon Pew Bible. If you're not, um, Proverbs comes immediately after it, about the center of your Bible, um, the, the great hymn book of the church, the Psalms. Proverbs 3, verses 1 to 12. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Oh, wow. Let not chesed, steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord. Would you join me in our memory verse here? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Thank you so much. The teacher continues. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. The very word of God. Mm, Praise God. 
Wow, what a privilege to, on Father's Day, be able to speak to you. I have to um, say I'm a little messed up here because um, who am I to talk to you about being fathers? You guys have been such powerful influences in my life, every single one of you. You may not realize that, and I, I'm wondering if sometimes that's not the great failure of our understanding as followers of Jesus, that he puts us together in family for a reason. I, I went 2,400 miles from my father to come to Evansville, Indiana, and God gave me 30 fathers. He gave me 30 grandfathers. He gave me all these men who've been such a significant impact in my life. So please um, don't misunderstand me. I don't pretend to try and teach you or tell you anything. It's you who have taught me. It's you who have blessed me as I've tried to become the man that God desires me to be. Well, there was a, there was a great poet. You know him as either Samuel Clemens or the more common name, Mark Twain, who, who said once, there are two great days in a person's life. The day we're born and the day that we discover why. The day that we discover why. I don't know that Sam was a follower of Christ, so I would add certainly another day in there. The day that you are born. That's a miraculous day. It's a great day. But the day you were born again, (laughs) that's a fabulous day. Not everyone remembers that. Some of you were surrounded by love your entire life, and, and your parents' prayer was true. There was not a day when you did not know the love of Christ, and you came to understanding. You said, what? Is there any other Heavenly Father? Is there any other God? You came through, through a, a life of, of example and love to that understanding of Jesus as Lord. But many of us were a little hard-headed. Many of us had to come to that point where we recognized that, that we were dead in and of ourselves, that our spirit was not alive to God. And, and many of us came to that point where we were born again. And that was a great day. But, you know, I take a lot of comfort from Scripture because Scripture is real. Amen? I mean, honestly, your Bible cleans up a lot of Scripture. Uh, it, it, you know, it makes it socially acceptable. But Scripture is very authentic and real. It does not hide or try and mask the struggles that people face. It does not, it does not uh, whitewash over um, the brokenness uh, of human relationships. And that's true also when it talks about fathers. It, it, it is not a shame to put real examples of fathers up in front of us. And, and I'm trusting that if God in his wisdom saw fit to include these examples, there's something for us, not just for the men, not just for uh, the, those who have biological children, but every single one of us had a father, right? And many of us, many of us have come to that place where we understand that we have a heavenly father as well. And so these issues, even if you are not a man or if you are not a biologic father, um, these issues are really important for us. I just thank you so much for digging deep in God's word with me today. Mark Twain said, and we modify that, there's three days here, right? The day that you were born, the day that you were born again, and the day you discover why you were born. 
I can tell already right now some of us are going, I'm not sure that I know that. But don't fear. Don't fear. I think you're going to find a lot of comfort from the Word of God today. I'm not trying to get you to find some nice little pithy saying to make your life purpose. It's much more important to discover God's purpose for you. Amen? It's much more important to, to, to apprehend God's purpose for you than it is for you to come up with a, a cute or a trite saying. And so I want to dig deep with you and recognize that God is a purposeful God. I mean, you can see that from every, every uh, iota and, and jot in Scripture. When, when we saw, and remember in the first, four, or the first 11 chapters of Genesis are these four great stories of a purposeful God, of a God who, who created the world in such beauty and such intricacy that, that thousands of years later, the Apostle Paul would say, people are without excuse just for walking in creation. And I was looking at some of the pictures coming back from you guys at camp. See if they're asleep yet. Nope, they're still awake. Just for, they're hanging on for dear life, but they're still awake. Um, and, and it looked like you took a walk in God's creation and... I'm looking forward, Lord willing, to doing that this afternoon. And, and, and this creation is just screaming about a purposeful God. Everything except mosquitoes has a purpose in life, right? Everything except avocado seeds have a purpose in life. And, and you can see that in, in God's creation. But then we saw also that as beautiful as this purposeful God made it, He purposefully gave us the ability to love he purposed that we should be able to love. And, and if, if, if we're able to love, that means that we're also able to not love, right? And we saw so powerfully in the gospel in Genesis. I got a little pushback last week. Are you talking about some apocryphal gospel, the gospel according to Joseph? Not at all. I'm saying the gospel permeates every aspect, every word, every chapter of Scripture. And in the gospel of Genesis... We read that, that God purposefully gave us the ability to love or not love. And through our ancestors, we chose not love. We chose not love. And this great story of creation moves to, to uh, a dilemma. We called it last week the fall. And we saw that the holy God could not tolerate uh, the lack of love, this scares me to say this in the midst of our culture right now, but we saw that a holy God could not tolerate the lack of love in the culture that was existing at that time. And so, and so the flood came. Remember that third great story of the book of Genesis? The flood came. And God began again. And, and, and in beginning again, in watching painfully as his beautiful creation was was wiped out, um, God said, I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to destroy the earth again like that. And, and we have that beautiful story of the rainbow as God's promise. Uh, so, so, and then the fourth story, the fourth great story of Genesis 1 through 11, people did it again. They chose not love again. They chose rather than to honor their Creator, honor their Heavenly Father, they chose to exalt themselves and, and built that tower. And, and God says, I'm going to have to do this differently. And so He used people. He used people for His purpose. 
And we pick up that story with, with there's, there's four of them mentioned there. We're going to highlight two of them and, and add one from the New Testament today. He, we pick up that story with this amazing story of Abram. Uh, God had a purpose for Abram's life. And, and you know this story, and if you don't, it is an amazing story that takes up the second largest portion of the entire book of Genesis. It's a story of God's faithfulness to a man who believed him. And remember, that's where this phrase comes from that Paul camps on in Romans. Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as right relationship. Isn't that amazing, men? I mean, a lot of us are thinking right now, I have not been the uh, father that I need to be. I've not been the man that I need to be. And, and, and we read this amazing word of hope, this amazing promise of God that it's not about what we've done, it's about what he is doing. And so, so God um, entrusts his good news to this man whose name, remember, meant God, excuse me, father of many, father of many. And the highlight, well, it's a low light, depending on how you look at it, of Abram's life is that his very name was ironic for him because he did not have children. And, and, and he didn't have th- children through his 30s and 40s, a time when, when everyone else around him was having children. He was doing well. He was living in God's blessing, but he was not having children, which without a social security system was the major way that you know that your legacy would live on. And, and so he talked to God about it. And, and at 85 years of age, at 85 years of age, um, he still did not have a son. And God came to him and said, Father of many, you're going to have a son. Um, I'm stuck for a second because... That's not probably what God said to half of you in the room, for sure. Um, but, but I'm guessing that, that you have an Abram moment. Am I making this up? You have that thing which, which you want so bad to believe God for, but you've discovered that it's safer not to. It's safer to say, oh, God would never bless me in that way or I'm not going to trust God I'm not going to believe God for that because I don't want to get hurt I know that because I did that I have done that and periodically I do it again I'm a very slow learner but I want to invite you if you're at that place you buried it deep because that way you don't have to feel it but, but God's Holy Spirit is gently inviting you to let it come to the surface That thing that you're having to believe God for, listen today. Listen to the good news of Genesis. God affirmed again his promise. God had said it many years before. Remember that in the beginning of 12. Uh, God had said, leave your father's house and go to the land that I'm going to show you, right? Uh, And Abraham trusted and did that as, as, as amazing as that was for his time. And now at 85, God is saying, believe me that you're going to have a son. And Abraham wanted so bad to believe him that, that when other people suggested maybe this is the way that God is going to do it for you through your concubine or through your wife's servant, um, he was so wanting to, to somehow help God with his promise that he did. And, 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 and yet 
God's, God's promise is not being fulfilled yet. God's, God's promise was not meant to be through Ishmael. It was meant to be through his son. So Abram believed God, and at 100 years of age, uh, God gave him the answer to his prayer. The irony is that God's will had been revealed in his name the whole time. The whole time. God knew it would happen. Not all of us are familiar with that. Uh, oftentimes we name uh, our children because of what sounds good to us. I remember thinking about how syllables would work with the last name Mills, you know, and, and we choose a lot of different ways of naming people, but that wasn't generally true in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, uh, a name meant something. Either it was an expression of the life situation that you were in, not loved, not God's people, Hosea's children, right? Or it was an expression of the hope that you had or that your parents had for you. And Abram's hope was that he would be a father. And I shared with you before, I won't go into that, but that was my great desire. My great desire was tested as I thought about you guys coming back uh, from camp. Um, I, I, I wish I could say I was just completely trusting, but I was praying up a storm that you'd have a safe trip through the storm on the way back here. God had a purpose for Abram's life, but God had a purpose also for his great-grandson's life, Joseph. That's who we're spending the bulk of our time with over the coming weeks. Joseph's life, as we saw in Genesis 37, was also purposed by God. And a portion of it was revealed in a dream. And I was asking God all week, how am I going to approach this, God? I'm not one who advocates um, necessarily hearing God's voice in every one of your dreams, right? Because I've had dreams that I know were not God's voice. But sometimes God does reveal his will in a dream. And sometimes we're foolish enough, like Joseph, to tell our elder brothers about our dream. And Joseph told his about two of them. One in which all of them bowed down to him. A second one in which all of them bowed down to him. And mom and dad did too. Try that one, teenagers, on your parents and see how far you get. You're going to be grounded for a year. Okay, um, God had a purpose for Joseph's life, and, and, and it wasn't revealed necessarily in his name. It was revealed through a dream. Well, jump ahead with me for a second. I'm going to be Captain Obvious here and say that God had a purpose for Jesus' life as well. Amen? Anybody out there? Um, he did. He did. And, and, and the amazing thing about Jesus' life was that he was so in touch with that purpose his entire life. I want to be like that. I want to be so in touch with God through his Holy Spirit that I know, turn right here, turn left here. I have to confess I'm not anywhere near that right now. But I also take amazing comfort that much of Jesus' purpose was already revealed through God's Word. Marianne, I remember when you, you recited for us Isaiah 53, the first time I heard you do that from memory, and I was just astounded. I was just astounded uh, as I saw the amazing parallels between Jesus, well, I mean, the description of Jesus' life that was Isaiah 53, written at least 800 years, is that right? At least, no, uh, 700 years before the time of Christ. So much of Jesus' purpose, what he would ride into Jerusalem on, so much was, was revealed in God's word. And so, so God had a purpose for Abram's life. God had a purpose for Joseph's life. God had a purpose for Jesus' life. By the way, just stick in here parenthetically, they all hung in there. 
until that purpose was revealed. But take this great leap with me. And I know that it's not a leap here, but it is a huge leap for you here. And you can see it. You've already filled in the blank in your bulletin. God has a purpose for your life. God has a purpose for your life. But, but Pastor David, you, you just don't know. He might have at one time, but, but I have so screwed that up. Pastor David, there's no possible way that God could still have a purpose for my life. Listen, beloved. Listen over the coming weeks. Because no matter how hard Joseph tried to screw it up, no matter how hard his brothers tried to screw it up, um, God still accomplished his purposes through him. So borrow for just a moment, whether you're a camper returning from camp or, or a, a mother or a father or a grandparent, and borrow for a second that God has a purpose and that purpose is still being worked out. Here's the deal. You may know what it is. It might be revealed in your name. I've spent my entire life trying to live up to my, what my parents call me. Before I was born, um, wow, wow, that's hard. It may have been revealed to you in a dream. It may be revealed to you in God's Word. In God's Word. Well, isn't that for other people? No. No, God's Word is for you. The stories that it tells of other people are, are learning opportunities for us, but once in a while, there's just a direct word to you in God's Word. And I want to invite you to risk believing that you can know what God's will is, what His purpose is for your life. I saw earlier when I mentioned this idea, many of you, just a, a look came over your eyes, and I, I recognize that you don't know what God's purpose is is for your life. Yeah, it sounds really good to quote Mark Twain and say that the third great day is the day you discover why you're born, but I've never discovered, Pastor Dave, I never discovered why I'm born. I don't know why I am born, why I was born. Well, again, take comfort. Abraham didn't discover it for 100 years, didn't realize the fruition of it. Joseph, um, this is um, a deep theological statement here, but Joseph had no clue. He had no clue. There's never a moment there where God says, Joseph, I'm going to use you to save the Middle East. I'm going to use you to, to um, not only save Egypt, but to save the line of promise that I made to your great-grandpa. I'm going to use you. He never said that to Joseph. But much like Abraham, when Abraham just first began, the author of Hebrews, when he's, he or she is talking about that, they, they, they say, Abram, Abram left Ur without knowing where he's going. And some of you may feel like, I, I feel like I'm walking without knowing where I'm going. Well, you are in some blessed company. You are in some blessed company. Abram experienced that. Joseph experienced that as well. Even Jesus. Jesus, who, who um, Paul says in Philippians, laid aside his glory so that he could genuinely be like us, so he could experience Everything just as we do, who, who um, emptied himself of the right to be God. Even Jesus waited moment by moment for the Father's revelation. Sometimes people say, well, what's going to happen? He said, I don't know. The Father hasn't revealed it to me yet. So, so even Jesus had to wait upon his heavenly Father while he was in the flesh. 
for moment-by-moment direction. So if you don't know what your purpose is, take comfort. Take comfort. Certainly, some of us may know what it is. Some may not know what it is. Certainly, there's here um, among us men and women, students, grandparents who may not currently be experiencing God's will. I don't know how to put this, but, but when you think about Joseph, so, so he runs up to his, his 11 brothers by three other mothers. Uh, I mean, you want to talk about a dysfunctional family. There was, there was one father, four mothers, 11 brothers, and at least one sister living under the same roof. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. And, and the mothers were competing with each other. Honestly, the, the generational sin that began, by the way, with Abram of deception passed down to Isaac, passed down to Jacob, uh, and, and now has been passed down to the brothers. And so they see this little squirt coming at them uh, from across the field. He had to walk several days to find them out there near Dothan where they were shepherding. They see him and they go, now's our chance. All my life, I've wanted to be loved by my father, Jacob, right? And, and he poured all that love out on this little runt. Now is our chance. Jesus would tell a parable eerily similar to that uh, thousands of years later, um, um, hundreds of years later. Jesus would tell a parable about, oh, let's take out the son. Then what he has will be ours, right? And praise God for Reuben. Those of you, Luke 15, prodigal God fans, uh, Reuben did what he was supposed to do. Reuben got a double portion of the Lord's blessing, so the father's blessing, so that he could keep the family together. And so Reuben says, don't kill him. Let's let's just put him in a pit and, and... Genesis 37 says to us that, that Reuben was going to come back and, and sneak him back to the father. Reuben was going to keep the family together. Go, Reuben. Go, Reuben. I think they named a sandwich after him as a result of that. So, no, they didn't do that. Sorry, I don't know where that came from. But, but they're distant cousins. You might not realize this. They're, they're um, distant cousins. I remember Abram's other son, Ishmael were passing through on a caravan on their way to Egypt. And he said, wait, wait, let's not kill him. Let's make money off of him. And the bottom line will be the same. And so they sent him, they sent him with the Midianites to, uh, excuse me, the Ishmaelites to Egypt. Right? So what began, his adventure began in the pits, now gets translated into slavery. Uh, later we'll see prison. And you're going, where is God's purpose in that? I mean, it's the same question that many of us are asking. I look at these circumstances and I bought the false gospel that says everything is happy, happy, joy, joy, right? Uh, That there's never any suffering involved in following God. I bought that lie and, and now I find myself in circumstances that I cannot explain by your purpose. And the reality continues that God is still sovereign over that pit. And some of you, that's the only thing you need to hear today. God is sovereign over the pit that you're finding yourself in today. Some of you in, 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 um, incarcerated by, by addictions or by decisions that you've made, you're saying, you're saying uh, God can't possibly bless this. Well, he did for Joseph. In fact, God caused it for Joseph. I remember I've shared with you many times, but I remember 
that aha moment for me in Kairos ministry when, when, when the brother said, no, you don't understand. God meant for me to come to Branchville because that was the only way I could ever be brought to my knees to surrender to him. And, and so, so the story of Joseph's life is this amazing story where he doesn't know what God is going to do, where like his great-grandfather, he has to hold on for dear life, where he had to visit the pit and the slavery and the prison before he understood God's purpose. And even Jesus, even Jesus fully God, yet having laid aside his glory fully and completely human, even Jesus had to go through the Garden of Gethsemane where the weight of the world was crushing him. Even Jesus had to descend, as we said a few moments ago, to the very gates of hell. Even Jesus had to trust in the midst of that. I guess that brings me to, what do we do? What do we do if the weight of the world is on us right now? What do we do if, if we're in the pit or in the prison or enslaved by, to someone else or even enslaved to our own brokenness and pain? What do, we, what do we do in that familiar refrain? It's killing me to just focus on these three obvious answers to that question. But I read the longer portion for you. Most of you knew, many of you knew Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 already. Um, you had committed that to memory. But not one word in Scripture is wasted. Amen? Say that about every other week. Um, and, and you will be blessed if you see the larger answer. If you explore in the coming week the larger answer in, in all 12 of those verses. You could continue even, but powerful stuff. Moment by moment, instructions on what do you do when you're not sure how God's sovereign purpose is being worked out in your life. And he says in the most powerful verse there, say it again with me if you would, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths, right? So really Really clear and really simple. Do not discount it because it's so simple. Remember what Abraham? Abram believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteous. Remember, remember um, in Habakkuk, my righteous one will live, help me, by faith, trust in the Lord. What do you do when you're not sure what God's purpose is. Trust in the Lord. And he says, with all your heart. And again, I have to, I have to look at myself. So many times I, 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 I do a little toe in the water thing, right? I do a little, okay, I'm trusting you, God. Right? I'm waiting to see if the waters part. Right? And again, we're referencing both the crossing of the Red Sea and the crossing of the Jordan a generation later. At some point, beloved, every single one of us has to come in here and we have to, like Indiana Jones, step out. We have to step into a trusting that God is sovereign even over the moment that we find ourselves in. And if you hold back any part of it, see, I'm still, my weight is still on land. It's not in the river. Then we'll never know, will we? Whether those waters will part. 
I didn't mean for that to be a prophecy for us, but some of us are a little anxious right now about the water levels in the high Sierras. And, and at some point, we're going to have to cross about 20 streams. And, and we may have to enact this parable when we're out there. But I'm guessing that there's a, there's a river in front of you and God saying, trust me. Trust me and step into my purpose for your life. Secondly, he says, he kind of gives us the thing that keeps us on the shore. He says, don't lean on your own understanding, right? And we're particularly good about this. I can't stand to, to read the Internet when someone will, will risk an understanding of God and 50,000 other people will all tell them everything wrong about what they're thinking, right? Uh, it's kind of an expression of where our culture is, that we'd much rather criticize someone than learn from someone. Here's the problem. We still live in that in-between place. We're not completely redeemed. We have been redeemed. We are being redeemed. We shall be redeemed. But there's still portions of us yet unsurrendered to Jesus. There's portions of our thought processes that are still unsurrendered to Jesus. So if we put our trust in our understanding right now, we're going to come short every time. We're going to fall short every time. Don't lean on your understanding. Why? You might be in denial. I've taken the cruise many times myself, the cruise on denial, right? Um, you might be in that. You might, you might be so wounded or so hurt that, that you can't allow yourself to even see it. Many of the rest of us are so distracted by so many other things. I mean, this whole thing about cell phones, right? It's wonderful, and yet it's such a distraction. I, have, I think I shared it with you before, but if I didn't, I thought about it before. I have a disease. You knew that. I have several diseases, actually. But one of them, I can't remember the technical name for it, but it's this muscle in my leg will tell me that my phone is ringing when my phone is not ringing. You see what's happened there? I always put the phone in the same place. It always vibrates right there. All of a sudden, my leg's going like that. I'm going... I don't even have a phone in my pocket, right? Answer the phone. Um, we, we are surrounded by these things that, that are uh, distracting us from God's purpose. Still others of us have been diverted. It might have been by a traumatic event. Um, even as we're worshiping this morning, a pastor friend, um, her ex-husband passed away. Uh, a family is devastated by a sudden loss of a father on Father's Day, and, and it would be really easy to be diverted from God's purpose. It would be really easy to say, I'm, I know what my purpose is now. My purpose is to um, react to this tremendous loss when God says, no, I've got another, re- another purpose for that. You've got to follow me. You may be discouraged. You may be discouraged. And literally means your heart is broken, Right? Um, you've been disheartened. Core is the French word for heart. You've been disheartened by opposition, as Ephesians 2 says, from the world or from your own flesh. You've been brokenhearted about, about your own flesh. And, and, and God is saying, why? I told you that that's going to be, that's going to be a point of opposition. Certainly. Certainly, as you begin to step out in faith, as you begin to honor Jesus Christ as Lord, as you begin, fathers, to take headship and leadership in your, uh, in your family and, and love your wives and care for your children, as you begin to do those things, you're going to face opposition from the evil one as well. So Ephesians, true, uh, Ephesians 2 is true. 
being worked out in our lives every day, opposition from the world, discouragement from the world, our own flesh and the evil one. But there's another, um, another possibility here, and it's just that you are flat out in disobedience. You know God's purpose for your life. You know his plan. And maybe in the large scale, and like me, after he revealed it to me, my third greatest moment happened when I was a sophomore in college. And God is as clear as day from his word for me, um, revealed my purpose in life. And, and um, my problem was that I had so many other um, people that thought they had that purpose and, and didn't have that purpose and wanted out that I ran from it. And I ran for many years from God's purpose, even though I knew what it was. I was in disobedience. So can you imagine me in those years? Oh, God, what am I supposed to do right here? Well, I told you what you're supposed to do. You know what you're supposed to do. I mean, that could be at the macro scale of God's purpose for your life, or it could be at the simple scale of how are you going to live when you walk out these doors? God's purpose for you has been revealed. It's been revealed, and you can go to His Word. You can, you can understand it. You can leave the past behind and choose this day to live from this day forward in loving response to God's Word instead. And lastly, He says, in all your ways acknowledge him. I don't know how to say that other than to live, to live in congruence with God's character. I, I know that those are long words. What I mean by that is when you, when you don't know you, right? When, when you don't know who you are, then live according to who he is, right? I can't tell you how many times probably 15 or 20 times a year, when you don't know what to do, trust the one who loves you, right? Sometimes that's people in the pew next to you. Sometimes that's people sitting across from the dinner table next to you. Sometimes that's people in your larger church family. Certainly, certainly it includes your heavenly Father who loves you more than you could imagine when you don't know what to do. How to live. Live according to who He is. Live according to the revelation that He has given you. Abraham believed that God would give him a son. It was reckoned to him as righteousness. Joseph believed a dream, even when life dragged him through the pit and became a blessing to many nations as a result. Jesus surrendered His will to the fathers and became a source of salvation to all those who would trust in His name. So just one one. It's not final, but one big question for you here. Do you know why you were born? Oh, I know you can spit out the Westminster Confession with the best of them, right? The chief end of man is to glorify God. My purpose is to glorify God. Is that true? Absolutely. Absolutely true, beloved, right? My purpose is is to glorify God and to enjoy Him. Why isn't it that I'm finding joy in my relationship with God? Right now, maybe, maybe, just maybe, your Heavenly Father is saying, it's time to come home. It's time to leave the pigsty and, and come home to your loving Father. It's time 
to quit judging your brother or the political party that's opposite of you and to come love him instead. It's time to come into the feast. It's time to come into the family. It's time to come home. Do you know? Do you know why you were born? I know it's a little bit presumptuous, but I want to speak for a moment to just the men here on Father's Day. I do that with fear and trembling because there's all kinds of articles on the Internet about how Mother's Day, everybody just is so lovey-lovey and, and, and encouraging. On Father's Day, we'd beat fathers to a pulp. Um, so forgive me if it feels like that for a second. But isn't that true? You know that's true. Why do you get off the hooks, mothers? That's what I can't figure out, right? Um, but I'm going to jump in in that, in that pool as well. And I'm gonna, it's going to sound presumptuous, but, but man, I think I know God's will for you. I know that sounds presumptuous. I'm embarrassed to say it that way. But God's will for you men is that you would be God's man. That, that you would be like Abram and Joseph and Jesus, even Jesus, God's beloved son. That even when you can't see the way forward, that, that you'd let down your pride and that you would call out to your heavenly father and that you say, God, I need you to show me the way. I need you, Heavenly Father. God's will for you, man of God, is to be conformed to the image of Christ. Did you see that last week? Remember, all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. For those He called, He also justified, right? God's purpose for you is to be Conform to the image of Jesus. So all you have to do when you're wondering how should I respond in this situation, this business situation, this soccer situation, this household situation is say, what would Jesus do? Jesus, show me. If you're married, I know God's will for you, man. God's will is to protect and love and lead your wife. You don't have to wonder Because when you made that covenant of marriage, God was the third party of that covenant. And he's in it, and he's still in it. I cannot resist the temptation. He's in it to win it, okay? And so uh, with his help, you can do those things. If you have children, whether you're a biological father or not, God's will for you is to protect and love and lead his children. Whether they're yours, whether they're adopted, whether they're They're fostered whether they're just kids in our youth group who desperately need to see the love of God in you. I I have to say a caveat here. And and so I feel a little guilty charging you so strongly in this way because I know, I know that you can't do this. I know that. I know I can't do it and I know you can't do it. But here's the deal. God is inviting you to, with his help, God is covenanting together with you, men. God is covenanting together with you, women. The question is not whether God is in it. The question is, are you willing? Are you willing to trust him? Until that day when you discover that purpose for which you were born and live completely and fully into it. I know you can't do it. I know I can't do it, but I know all things are possible for those who trust. Pray with me, would you?
God, you're so good to us. Thank you again for the amazing fathers that you have put in our lives. Thank you, God, for men and women who courageously step forward even when they're not completely sure, even when, like Abram, they don't know where they're going or Joseph and can't see your sovereign hand. Thank you for those who are in the pit, God, who are holding on for dear life. Thank you, Jesus, that you went into that pit. You experienced it in Caiaphas' house. You lived the psalm. God, you know what we're experiencing. Thank you even for those of us who are imprisoned by our brokenness and sin. For those of us who, who feel like there's no possible way out of our addiction. Thank you, Jesus, that you have made a way. You've made a way for us through this, just like your word promised. So God, I, I pray that you would free us from the burden of not knowing. I pray you would free us from the burden of not fulfilling. I pray you would free us from the, from the condemnation of others and the self-condemnation that we heap upon ourselves and allow us to just gently crawl up into our Father's lap to hear you speak to us words of blessing, to hear you sing over us, to put, God, our, our struggles into perspective and to trust you. Do it now, would you, Jesus? Meet us even now and allow us to surrender to you. We'll give you the praise and the glory. In Christ's name, amen. I want to worry just to close for all of us. Um, it's a simple choice you have as you leave this place today. Remember, um, remember Westminster Shorter Catechism, the chief end of humanity is to, is to glorify God and to enjoy Him. To enjoy Him. I want to just invite you, no matter what circumstances you're finding yourself in right now, choose to magnify God and to minimize your situation. I know that this is not, this is not rocket science. It sounds so simple that, like Laban, you're, you're saying, I don't need to do that. I could do that at home. But choose, choose to hold a magnifying glass in your hand instead of a telescope, right? Magnifying glass takes that which seems so small, so hard to see, and makes it real. I know, because I'm wearing magnifying glasses right now. But so many times we choose instead to, to take a telescope and try and make something that's far away bigger than it really is. And we're talking about pits. We're talking about prison. We're talking about addictions. Those are big things. I agree. But, but not in God's sight. God is greater than those things. Amen? Let's choose to magnify Him. Let's choose to give glory to Him. And let's choose not to give in to the circumstances and the waves at our feet. I love the way Job put it. When, when he first lost everything, when he found himself in the pit, do you remember what he said? The Lord gave and the Lord took away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Think about the pit that you find yourself in today. Can you say that? Can, can you say, you give, Lord, and you take away, but I'm going to choose to bless your name. Can you do that? Can you? Say it with me. You give and take away. But 
Blessed be the name of the Lord who stand with us.